0: Welcome to Food and Loathing, which we like to think of as the bracket buster of the podcasting Uh -uh. tournament. That's the thing, right, guys? Bracket busting? That's it, man. Why not? If you say so, it is. I'm your host, Al Mancini. Returning to the co-host position this week is Rick Moonen. And our producer, Rich Johnson, is, well, he's producing. So I am and what I do. March Madness is in full swing in Las Vegas. And even though I don't know a thing about basketball, I am excited to have drunken groups of aging frat boys reliving their memories together in this city's sports book. The strip smells like money this week. I mean, certain corners and alleys still smell like vomit and urine, but that's how we roll (laughs) in fabulous Las Vegas. (laughs) yee so let's jump into it we've got a lot of tape this week a lot going on in fabulous las vegas this town is coming to life it's beautiful we're out here at the beautiful moon and ranch i heard it was going to be 80 degrees today yep. and we're out here in, on a morning it's just the sun is shining it's feeling good man and th- yeah. the whole vibe that's carrying throughout the las vegas strip people are excited people are happy to go out people are having a good old time they're spending money they're, they have not a virus in the world to care about
1: is the official switch over to Vegas Summer the day that you lose the leather black leather jacket i tend to <laughs> hang on the black leather for a
0: little longer than um, than i should because i get used to where all my shit is in my pockets yeah. and then i have to readjust to another pocket setup yeah. see, <laughs> I, have
1: the, I have the lighter weight sweaters i'm transitioning to and eventually the sweaters go away and i have to untuck the shirt underneath because nobody wants to see what's uh, below that shirt oh,
0: I, I gotta say that the timing couldn't be better for vegas to really feel like it's bouncing back in time for what is traditionally our biggest week of the year you know the, that's of course the March Madness kickoff coinciding yeah. with, with St. Patrick's Day festivities, which just happened when people are listening to this. So it's cool, but this is actually the part of the show where we talk about what we've done this week. Yo, puppy dog, which one's that, Rick? It's Booker. Hey, Booker. Noise. Booker, shut up. <laughs> um, so, Rich, Rick, sorry you. you've been away. What have you done this in the past oh. week or two since we've seen you, man? Well, after. Uh, feeding a bunch of people at the
2: uh, country music awards at legion uh i, I the following day i was in uh, the unlv i was a judge for a, a cooking competition a bunch of students were, were using turkish products really that yeah, was really oh, great they, they all had to cook bronzino they, they all did a fabulous job it was delicious and then i flew to houston and i did you know i had to work and then i did an, a, a charity at the end of the week for autism autism speaks and uh, it was great. Small, it was a small one. You know, a lot of them were really large. This was a smaller gathering in Houston. It was a, a lot of cool people. Then um, I flew back. I was supposed to fly to Florida to meet up with my wife, but she, she's... Trying to find a, a property for us to invest in for the place to go when it gets hot here, so we go somewhere hotter and so we'll find we'll go to humidity, you know, steam. Okay. No, she comforts me by saying, "No, we'll just go during the hurricane season. and We'll rent oh, it out." Yeah, yeah, there you go. Okay, so yes, honey. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Hey. So, man. but last night we went to dinner uh, when I picked her up at the airport, and I, I know I brought it up before, and, and it's kind of hit or miss sometimes, but I had a great
0: meal at Marche Bacchus last night. No. Oh, yeah. Right. It's it's close to me. That's why it's my go-to. Marche Bacchus, your, your recommendation is in the Neon Feast app for Marche Bacchus because yeah. you'd say it's one of the places you go most often. I remember that. Um, so you had a good meal there? It was terrific. It was yeah. spot on. Delicious. I mean... Uh, I highly recommend
2: it. But they have this oyster that's poached in butter, and they have them like in those escargot containers where you get the little 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 fork divots, thing. the divots that mm-hmm. so yeah. you <laughs> dig out a, a, a you know snail
0: or, or it's a fl- something. In but,
2: but they do it with oysters, and it was delicious. It was oh. like, damn,
0: I'm stealing this one. Cool. Well, that's great. <laughs> I haven't been back into Marche Bacchus in a while since the pandemic. I mean, I've dropped by to say hi to people. And, of course, I love the setup there. And uh, do you get a good bottle of wine of there? Of course, at yeah. We bought, bought a bottle of,
2: you know, we got some champagne. She's in a celebratory mood. So, sure, let's just go to Marche Bacchus, get a bottle of rosé bubbles, and um, boom, roll from there. And the food was, on. It was, was really, really good. I had duck. It was delicious. Duck breast. Oh, yeah. Awesome. yeah.
0: So I am first. I want to start off by sending a shout out to Chefs for Kids. I co-hosted their annual gala this past weekend at Red Rock. That was a blast. You know, you look. We've been to a thousand of these. You know the deal. You dress up pretty. Um, You would you bid on things after a few drinks, and you try to buy some stuff. I actually didn't get anything at the auction because I was up on stage most of the night introducing the auctioneer, doing all that. So that probably saved me a lot of money. But man, (laughs) the highlight: Chef Vic Vegas sold a dinner for ten thousand dollars. But wow. Thank you. The cat I've got to say, Vic pulled out all the stops. We, you know, we, we love Vic, and he was on promoting this thing in advance, and he just came out, and he's like, look, it's supposed to be a dinner. You know how Vic talks, right? Yeah, of course. It's yeah, supposed yeah, to yeah. be a dinner for 20 people, and that's my, my company, Nicholas & Company. They're going to give me whatever ingredients I want, so I'll do it. But you know what? If you guys want it more casual, I'll do 50 people. You want to tailgate? I'll do 100 people. And you know what? Just talk to me. You know what? That's, there's no rules. Just spend a lot of money, and I'll just do a great fucking I meal for that. you, right? Of course, Rick, he didn't curse that's just me vic is a a more of a polite gentleman but yeah man raised a lot of money for a good cause so i I was excited to be there at red rock and uh, melinda shekels and i co-hosted together she helped me stumble through so thank you melinda you rule um while that was a cool event for a great cause um it wasn't the coolest shindig i attended over the last week that honor goes to the 40th birthday party for piero's restaurant which took place monday night and man that place was packed First of all, for the first time, you know, it's (laughs) rare that... I'm in a really cool room and I'm like the youngest person. In the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think I was there and I've just, I've got to play a couple of cuts from this because to me, they're just quintessentially Las Vegas, like, like straight out of a Scorsese movie. I mean, if, if he was looking to drop in and do some, like, you know, have some cameos in the background of a scene before somebody got whacked or some shit, oh, right?
2: Man. You imagine <laughs> a caricature of that scene, you know, how they, they do that, all the Old school people smoking smoking cigarettes and whatever's going on there. That's that room.
0: Yeah, it was. It was a crazy room. I mean, think of it like any classic Las Vegas film. I don't care if it's Casino, the original Rat Pack Ocean's Eleven, or even like Viva Las Vegas with Elvis. Picture your favorite classic Vegas movie. And now imagine if they did a sequel. That was set in post pandemic Las Vegas 2022. <laughs> yeah. That was this party. And this is what would be going on in the background. I'm going to start with this one cut. This is Pia Zadora. Freaking Pia Zadora. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like, like. I think she was like my father's generation of like pin-up pin up masturbatory material, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like hey, the hey, total hey. hottie of, of the day. And I actually, I looked her up. She's actually just in her mid-60s. Um, but, you know, she's just cool as fuck. And she plays Pierro's. And And um, in this cut, the Susan she references, just to give you a little... Uh, she's talking she's paying tribute to Freddie Glesman, the owner of Pierre's, and the Susan she's referencing as Glesman's quote, other wife. they were talking about their long-term relationship. I believe that's Susan Molaski, who had just spoken. She is a true Las Vegas pioneer who's you know had a super interesting past here in Las Vegas. She made her own speech, but I want to focus on Pia because this is just <laughs> so all over the place. I don't really know what it is, but but just listen.
3: Can I just do what I'm supposed to do here without you interfering? Poor Susan, I don't envy her. You've been part of her life forever. Jesus Christ, no wonder, No wonder you're so nervous. So <laughs> anyway, but let's talk about, first of all, how great it is to be here all together without masks. Isn't that amazing? It's freedom. It's freedom. Yeah. And you know, it reminds me of how much I'm missing everybody's faces and also, you know, how, how much people depend on Botox. Okay, th- this is the original couple. I'm the second wife, so they're, they're in a feud here. But what the hell? Anyway, so Freddie is now my neighbor. Last night we saw 1982, 40 years. I won a Golden Globe for Butterfly. Yeah, go figure. The Golden Globes are gone and I'm still here. <laughs> But anyway, so we went down. Freddie Freddie brings home my fan mail. He brings home my fan mail from here because we're neighbors. So he brings my pictures and he's he opens it. He says, Open the envelope, right? And he looks at the pictures. He says, That's a sexy picture, you know. Where is that from? I said, Butterfly, you haven't seen butterfly? So we saw butterfly last night and he said to me, You know what? You're a good actress. I said Really? Maybe I deserve that frickin' Golden Globe. I'm going to keep it no matter how many times they ask me to give it back. But anyway, look, let's look at Piero's. 40 years. 40 frickin' years. Is that amazing? But you know, it is a landmark place and I think that the beauty of it is it brings the past, the Sinatras, the Idigora into the future into the Mark Davis and the, and the Raiders and, and everyone comes here for one reason. The food, the atmosphere, and the one, one, one reason, the heart and soul of this restaurant. Freddie Glassman! You're a pain in the ass, but you're a heart and soul of this restaurant. So I just wanna say, and by the way, he place is coming back. April 23rd, coming back for five consecutive Saturdays with my band and everybody, you bet I'll be drinking a piatini. And my first toast will be to Piero's 40th. Cheers, guys, and cheers, Freddie, because you made it work and happen. Love you, love you.
0: Yeah, I mean, you got to love her. She starts with like how she's happy to be a maskless and then the Botox, and then we're talking about. Um,
2: Immediately I, off the rails.
0: Yeah, and then, and she, how she has out survived the Golden Globe Awards and like all kinds of crazy shit. So I just, I loved that. Um,. I was also going to play a little Freddie. I don't know. Maybe we'll get to that. But first, Sam Marvin, our oh, friend Sam Marvin so. from Echo and Rig. Yeah. So I bumped into him and we were hanging out and I had no idea like that he had once worked at Piero's. Right. Mm. So he started telling me this story about how he got the job. And I was like, oh, wait, stop, stop, stop. I got to record this. Right. So um, here is how Sam Marvin of Echo and Rig, and, you know, he'd long- big supporter of the Vegas scene, has some other projects coming up. This is how he came to Las Vegas to work at Pierre's.
4: So I, I was the young guy and I had a little restaurant in, in LA on Melrose and Freddie used to fly in with Ted Jones from Fletcher Jones every single weekend. And every weekend, Saturday, Sunday, they'd be there. I know Mr. Glussman and Mr. Jones would be on Saturday night. At the time, they had pretty women, fast cars. They were from Vegas, right? So one day, Freddie comes in and he says, Listen, I'm going to make you that famous Vegas offer that you can't refuse. And he made me that offer, Al. I mean, it was unbelievable. It was an offer I couldn't refuse to come to Vegas and work for Freddie Glassman. And I got here, and I mean, the way he did it, Vegas style at the time, I mean, he flew me to, to Chicago with him. We were sitting at a table at, at a steakhouse, and Scotty Pippen comes and sits right next to me and says, move over. Like, he knew everybody, right? We were with, I think, like, Rick Rislow at the time. And it was amazing, so I took the job because I couldn't refuse it. And I worked here for about, maybe a little about over 40 years. And I was making so much money. I was pretty much owned the town because whatever I wanted I just asked Freddie and he pretty much he delivers on everything, right? He I loved him like a like a godfather, literally. Like he's such a beautiful man inside. It's unbelievable. There's a little hard shell on the outside, teddy bear on the inside, right? If you get to that point with him. So it was amazing. And then one day I looked at myself and I said, Oh my goodness, I could be here the rest of my life. And I got scared. Right, And I said, okay, I gotta leave here. I got an opportunity to do some consulting. I said, I could be here 20 years, I could see myself here. And as a chef artist, it scared me. So I went in and I talked to him and I left, right? To add to that story, the greatest thing of all time, right? So I, was, I had a big Suburban that he co-signed for me at the time. So I was making the payments every month, 800 bucks, right? I was probably like 18 months into the payments already. And the day I gave my notice to him, and I quit, and he said, you know, that's great, you can leave today, da-da-da-da-da. Literally, the next morning, I got up at my house, and my Suburban wasn't there in the morning. (laughs) Al, we're talking 12 hours maximum. And I got up, and I reported it stolen. And they said, no, I don't think it was stolen. It wasn't returned. nothing. And then I I got a little note from Freddie, a phone call from somebody in the organization who said, oh, by the way, Freddie took his car back. (laughs) Okay,
0: so Sam's great. I love that cut. It just makes me want to play. We should play something by Freddie. I don't know that he said anything (laughs) that um, is really cut worthy, but hey, let's cut (laughs) to Freddie.
5: I want
2: to thank all of you for not getting your invitations, because if all of you would have got your invitations, we couldn't put you in here. So anyway, thanks for coming without invitations. So I'm going to have to charge the people that didn't come with invitations. And I'm going to add 25% tip on it. And if you don't like it, you can tell Susan Mulaski, because she'll tell you what to do with it.
1: And here's the thing. I have practiced with Freddie because he was a guest on uh, on the corner of Main Street, the Plaza podcast, and I had never worked so hard at so much editing in one of these podcasts <laughs> to make it even you know, halfway acceptable. So I'm your man when yeah. it comes to Freddie and editing.
0: Oh, man. Well, look, I, I do have to say this. You know, we're having fun with this, but Pierre's is, is just like the real. If last night proved anything, it is the real deal. No. The old guard of Vegas, cool cats go there. I know a lot of people talk about Oscars and, and I have nothing against Oscars, Oscar Goodman, but like it's that same vibe and I and to me it feels more legit at Piero's because Pierre's has been there now for 40 years. It was the yeah. 40th birthday and it's just like if you want to see the movers and the shakers, the people who built Las Vegas, the people who know where the literal bodies are buried, <laughs> um, yeah. you go to Pierre's. and you know Rick and, Rick and I have told stories about bad experiences we've had there and it's almost just part of the charm. Yeah, like It is. Up yeah. You go in there to, there. to be abused it's part of it yeah Um, you know I had another meal and it's it's one of the few times I'm, I'm okay calling something unique, right? Because I've seen it all. Very few things are unique. I'm not going to talk about it much, but Rick Rick, I, Rick and Rich, I get you all confused. Yeah, yeah, Rick, I have to tease you with this one. We're going to come back um, because I know you're like a steampunk fan. I went to the Lost Spirits Distillery to try their 20,000 leagues under the sea meal. I'm not going to get deep into that this week because I was a guest of um, Rob Cashel Rice of Thrillist, so I'm going to let Rob talk about this before I do but I have to say um, and hopefully that'll be next week when I come back but man this is like a 14 course meal I think it's 240 all in um, I'll get into the crazy nuttiness of this stuff but it is really trying to tell the story of the novel 20,000 leagues under the sea I love it. and they're super I mean this chef is um, I'm looking for looking for a name now because I just texted over there chef Taylor Persh, right so yo- youngish I mean by my standards everybody's young young youngish <laughs> female chef I'm super excited I mean I I just see that energy in her eyes of a young chef who has just been given free reign to do whatever the hell she wants. Can't and um, we're going to talk about that once Rob's story comes out. I'll come back. But I want to take you in there and do that dinner with you, Rick. Done. It's to Yes, amazing. please. Um, I can't could wait.
1: there be seafood in that dinner? There's a lot of seafood. There's a lot of things. <laughs> Squid. And, uh, I did
0: eat a pig's eyeball for the first time. So wow. that was cool. Good but for you. All kinds of cool shit going on. But we'll get into that more. Um, I will, however, now we could talk about I went to Hamon Hamon Tapas no secrets there. This is my Mm. second visit. Sue's first. I am loving this place. Quick backstory on that is that um, Chef Rafael Salinas Catala, and I'm sure I mispronounced that as I always mispronounce everything. He was born in Spain. So my apologies, Chef. Uh, He was born in Spain, moved to Las Vegas 12 or 13 years ago to work at Haleo. He's also worked with Julian Serrano before he went off to open a ghost kitchen in North Las Vegas in July of 2020. You know, that great time for the restaurant industry. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And um, in early 2021 he actually opened a brick and mortar on Sahara and Jones. The recurring theme when I talk to anybody about this seems to be authenticity. Now you know I have it's been 20 years since I've been to Spain and I didn't know much about 20 maybe 30. Um, So I don't I can't tell you how authentic it is but everybody says it is. I just know it's delicious. Um, You could purchase a 16 pound whole suckling pig there for $390 or you can get one sixth of that pig for 65 bucks. I did not go piggy this way because as I mentioned, I had just eaten a pig's eyeball <laughs> around the same time. Um, but I did have the half-rabbit IEO beautiful presentation of rabbit. I love rabbit. Um, just I the pictures are on the social media page. Go take a look at that. Also a perfect cold weather dish, man. A lot of rosemary, a lot of um a lot of garlic in there. It was over a really really light um, what maybe a basmati rice. I'm not sure. A very light rice and just uh, gorgeous. It just felt very autumnal. I could have, yeah. I could eat this rabbit for Thanksgiving dinner and I would be happy, you awesome. know. Uh, so good. Also had gazpacho, two types croquettes some some chicken and some iberico some pan con tomate Mm -hmm. and then jesus christ the most perfect preparation i've ever encountered of porchetta in my life i didn't order this dish chef sent it out to me I was so happy. I'm going to show you the picture. My um, mouth is watering. But yeah. man, you know, look. I'm not always a pork belly kind of fan, right? And um, you know, it can be. I don't know the, the way that the layers separate out. It doesn't always just. It doesn't always sit with me. I feel like I just get just the fat or just the skin or just the whatever. Yep. This was crispy fleshy fatty all of the layers laid out there looked gorgeous beautifully balanced so that you could cut them get all of those layers in your mouth in a single right, bite. stop mm, yeah oh killing me God. Uh, ah. didn't touch the sauce it was just fucking amazing <laughs> go to Hamon. Hamon. <laughs> i just did the math and it's uh, 16 pounds
1: for 390s rounded up to 400 that's about 21 22 a pound in a restaurant for a cooked uh, suckling pig yeah, mm-hmm. that's a pretty good bargain. This
0: is like a foodie SAT test. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rich, what are you doing? Man? I,
1: I have one uh, story of in, one story of out, and I'll, I'll, I'll need a little consult on the out. Uh, I, I had a bottle of wine that was uh, gifted to me, sort of. And I needed a meal to uh, stand up. Does to that it. mean you stole it,
0: gifted to me, sort of?
1: I helped out with a lot of wine <laughs> transport, and there happened to be one bottle extra for the cases that we put them together. Okay. The guy in charge of it, who was not the owner, said, "Yeah, you're going yeah, to take that. <laughs> this is <laughs> wine that okay. Fell off the truck. I'll get to that. The guy said
2: it was okay. The guy said it was okay. And He
1: is the guy. So I, I had feel to get like it. this
2: is a Pierre
0: story. Yeah. <laughs> <that> the, <laughs> the guy he said it was okay.
1: <laughs> my freddy uh, imitation. So I had to get a couple steaks. I got a ribeye and I got a fillet from Featherblade and I did them in cast iron and I asked the guy, a little oil and basting thing and he says, "No, beef tallow, right there." And he pointed to a little container of beef tallow for about 5 bucks. I said, "Okay." So I bought that, got my biggest cast iron out, which is about uh 16 inches in diameter. Nice. Put it on the high heat, smoked it up, opened every window in the house because the <laughs> ventilation system above the stove is crap. <laughs> and uh, did not set off any fire alarms, thank uh, goodness. Well, that, but That's a win. <laughs> came out fantastic. Uh, on the medium side of medium rare for the, for the ribeye and uh, a little too rare for the... Uh, a fillet for for Joanna, but that's all right. We slice it up and put it on for thirty seconds. Did either you side baste it? And she's perfect. Did, 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 basted. Did you the it. <laughs> I sat there and flipped that thing twenty times and basted the fuck out of it.
0: That's so interesting. Baste, baby, baste. The
1: wine it went with Paul Hobbs two thousand twelve Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh, that's good stuff. Uh, one of those touch the face of God. Good stuff, <laughs> kind of wine. So it was it was a, it was a great meal there at home. Now on the other side of the, the coin, Al, you and I had a business lunch. At a well known regional brew pub chain.
0: Yeah, we went to BJ's.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Went to BJ's. You know the upside about a
0: BJ that a good one. (laughs) I missed missed the one one on Tropicana near the airport. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Well this one is in Henderson. You know, it's large. It fulfills that niche that I've talked about before when you wanna be Confident, The corporate standards, uh, dependable food, maybe not the greatest food. You know the standards are high enough that there are only going to be a few rodents in the back. No, it doesn't have to be great. It just has to be there. And the bar is, I'm sure, well-packed. Your sandwich out looked great. Our dining companion salad looked okay. (laughs) My fish and chips did not look so good, and that taste lived up to the appearance. uh, So my future safety tip when going to places like this is... It's a freezer-to-fryer kind of place. Don't buy the stuff you know comes from the freezer to the fryer. Look for the sandwich. Look for the salad.
0: I mean, look, just for everybody who's saying, why would you even go to BJ's, um, two reasons. It was picked by the person we were meeting, yeah. and it was just a matter of convenience for the meeting. And um, I have had good meals at a BJ's. I usually like their peachookie cuz it's just so fucking stupid that yeah, you know it's a pizza cookie, right? Isn't they do that there with ice cream <laughs> pizza on, right? cookie. I think that's BJ's. So I I knew it for that and I thought it was decent. Um I couldn't find anything on the menu that was like that just looked appetizing for me at lunch and I'm a light lunch eater. I decided to do a fried chicken sandwich and um yeah, like yeah, I could eat it. I ate it. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it, it's sustenance at that point. It's not really dining. You're yep. just sustenancing and yep. having a good meeting. And we had a great meeting. And that yes, was cool. we did. It, yep. didn't, it was not so bad. That, it's you know, a pleasant I room. Everybody. No, it yeah. was, it was yeah. a good place and nice enough people. And I don't have anything against them. But, um, yeah, there was nothing, you know. I think you keep it safe. You know where you're going. You know, yeah. I think like what you're
2: saying, Rich, it really holds rings true. Just keep, keep it simple. Yeah. Yeah. B L T
0: one more story about my week which will lead into what's <laughs> kind of a mini centerpiece pre- interview for this week's show um, i was leaving our recording session last week and i got a text asking me if i could find some time to interview martin yan yeah right you'll yeah, like, yeah, do, I do that find time. <laughs> you know i've got Dan say, can cook yeah, yes look, i've got to say man i did not grow up watching yan can cook that show started uh, on pbs mm-hmm. in 1978 but mad respect to the people that you know, did things first and did yeah. them right. And yeah. I mean, imagine in 1978. Here's this Asian chef on PBS. 78. That's that's when he started the show. He told me. It's like Graham Kerr around there. Oh,
1: yeah. I'll, I'll, galloping I can gourmet. do ten well, minutes on Graham
4: Kerr. Well, you know, my what hero. I s- what yeah. I had
0: said was, yeah. you know, I don't care who your favorite TV chef is, if their name isn't Julia or The Galloping, like this, yeah. guy, <laughs> this is The Galloping. No,
2: absolutely. You know? Solid number three. And yeah,
0: I mean, like a, a badass, right?
2: So, yeah, and he would always, with his knife, he would be doing, yeah. you know, make it, making like patterns of da-da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da-da, and you know what? I... In the kitchen while you're prepping while you're doing things you, you create a cadence in your head as a real as a, you know as a professional chef mm-hmm. of which I am and I do the same exact thing <laughs> I mean I, I mean if I'm chopping mushrooms and I gotta do a pile of like 10 pounds you know and it's that's Yen yeah. Ken, that's yeah well,
0: I mean, just God bless this guy, and you know, you're thinking about the fact that he was teaching like suburban, probably housewives at the time, because I think only women cooked in 1978. I don't know, That's some bullshit. But um, you know, teaching them how to make stir fry at a time when that was considered like exotic, crazy exotic oh, no, no, for no. white it's people in the burb. Not man, Chow you know? Mein or Chop Suey. It's some sort of ethno weirdness. <laughs> so <It's> when, true. <laughs> so you know, we know he has a restaurant coming to um, Binion's Horseshoe, which is you know Bally's now, but it'll be renamed the Horseshoe, and I. I was going to just pull some cuts from this. And I was like, fuck that. This guy is like the Mac Daddy OG. You better recognize. Let's just play the whole damn tape. Absolutely. And, um, listen to what he has to say. So, Chef, it is great to meet you. Welcome to
5: Las Vegas. This is your first Las Vegas restaurant, right? Yes. Uh, but actually, I have a lot of long-term association, working relationship with Las Vegas. Years and years ago, I actually, uh, I was a con- chef consultant for Caesars Palace. They have a restaurant named... Empress Court. Yeah, That was one of the most upscale <laughs> okay. restaurants at that time. Yeah, I remember Empress Court. So you consulted yeah. on that? Yeah, yeah. I, I worked with the executive chef and the, and the F&B team, and I actually took some of them to Asia to check out several restaurants before we do that because there's a, the, the placemat is a piece of J. <laughs>
0: wow.
5: Yeah, and then the, the, but the chopstick rest is a piece of J. And some of the noodle bowl is also the, the, the bowl, the bowl of rice, you will put in a a J bowl. Wow. That's how. That's pretty how high class. Very, very upscale. So I guess then I would like to start by asking
0: you how Las Vegas has changed in those years since the Empress Court days and how planning a restaurant for Vegas in 2022, that's what we're in, right? 2022 is different than then because the market has clearly changed. People have gotten
5: much more educated, much more in tune with food, I would think. Definitely. Um, The change is so drastic. I remember when we first... um, Start working with Caesar's um, uh, Palace. Those days, the focus is on Asian VIP mm-hmm. uh, clientele. They would fly them in from Asia, charter plane to come in and do it. And the focus is really much on really high roller. And it's also on the strip. There's not too many high-end restaurant, uh, uh, restaurant or high-end casino in the old old, old days, right? Yeah. So basically. Now, in the last 15, 20 years, Las Vegas is turning into the entertainment capital, not just the gaming, the gambling, or the gaming capital, but the entertainment capital of the world. And the people used to come here from Asia, they have casino in Asia too, so they don't necessarily have to come over here as much, but a lot of them still come because for entertainment. So, and also a lot of the people from different parts of the, the U.S. are also coming to Las Vegas because you've got a show, you've got a sport, you've got the, 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 the landscape, you've got a Hoover Dam, you've got a lot of wonderful tourist destinations. So I think nowadays Las Vegas is definitely changed. And the, 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 the people are more educated because of the Food Network, because of the travel, because of the Internet. You can find a lot of things that you've never seen. You never know what's happening before. And people are enjoying to really appreciate good food. What is regional Asian food? What is Thai food? What is ramen? You remember 40 years ago, hardly see any sushi bar. Mm-hmm. There's very, very few ramen noodle restaurant. Very few Thai restaurant. Very few Vietnamese noodle restaurant. Uh, uh, Beef noodle restaurant. Now they're popping up all over. So when you come to Las Vegas, Las Vegas should have all of these elements mm-hmm. to to entertain all of these people. And then you come here, you have the best Thai rest, uh, Thai food, you have the best Vietnamese food, you have the best sushi, the best ramen. You look at Nobu is here, all right? Anthony Bourdain, I mean, uh uh, uh uh Gordon Ramsay is here, and everybody's here. All the wonderful people is here and uh, um, uh, uh, David Chang is here. A um, uh, the, 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 the lot of celebrity, Michael Mina, um, and all the, a lot of the Food Network celebrity chefs are here. Right. So I'm the slow comer. I'm the newcomer. <laughs> but they wouldn't be here if it were not for
0: people like you and what you accomplished through food television in the very early days. So, I mean, you are in many ways very responsible for the fact that there's a market for good food in Las Vegas and everywhere in America, to Definitely. be completely honest. Definitely.
5: You know, old days is very hard for people to travel. Nowadays, people travel all over the world. And people come over here, and there are 44, close to 45 million tourists. In Las Vegas, only 4 million people living here. <laughs> yeah. So basically, this is truly a mecca, an entertainment mecca, and, 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 and uh, not just the gaming. So people come over here, like my wife would come sometimes come over here for spa, spa to see the show. And then also eat in a couple of restaurants. And, and she's not much a gambler, but she come here because... Of the show, the entertainment element. and So so I come over here and I, if you watch the Yankee Cook Show, which started in
0: 1978.
5: Wow. Well, <laughs> before, way before the <laughs> Food Network, before. When we started, it was only Julia Child, French chef, <laughs> and Graham Kerr of Galloping Gourmet and Yankee Cook. Wow. 15 years later, slowly you got a job prepared a lot of people coming. And I'm still around. Yeah. You know, after 43 years, I'm still around because. Just like your business in, in, in the media business, just like sport, we love what we do. When we love what you do, you're, you're not really working. I'm, I don't feel like I'm working. Right. You know, when I work in a restaurant and eat in the kitchen or the dining room and say hello, they are my friends. Not just fans. they are my friends. They, they supported me. You know, the, 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 the Yankee Cook Show was broadcast in about 60 countries around the world at one point, wow. reaching about 2 billion people because we were in the Middle East. We're in England, we were in uh, uh, all of Asia and India and China. Just these two countries alone is 2 billion, yeah. more than 2 billion. Wow. So I feel like, you know, I'm just go com- complete circle. Now, finally, I decide, or well, maybe in my old age, I want to start a restaurant um, and, 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 and spend more time here. Because people know you from a cooking show, by cooking for
0: them in a restaurant, I'm guessing you take them a little beyond what you do when you're teaching them for the home cooks. Are you able to kind of up your game in a restaurant that you wouldn't be able to do on TV?
5: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Give me an example. On TV, you you see it one dimensional. It's not truly realistic in a sense. They cannot taste my food. Mm -hmm. So my, my slogan is always, you see, taste, and discover. Because you're sitting down, I'm gonna do some noodle in front of you. I'm gonna do the walk cooking in front of you. I'm gonna make the dumpling in front of you. And in five minutes, ten minutes, we serve you the food that we just prepare. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, uh, just like you go to a, a sushi bar, the chef do it in front of you. That's why our restaurant we're gonna have a wonderful open kitchen noodle bar and a walk station. So when we're doing things, people can feel the action, feel the excitement, feel the energy. That's why we call it the energy right. So. Mm-hmm. We 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 want to do something just like I do television. I want people to be entertained. Entertained with the food, but not just the surface and the food, but entertained with the thing that we deliver, the, the spirit. We deliver. The energy would deliver.
0: Right. The the energy, the show, the experience of just being it's out Las there. Vegas. Yeah, it's the, Las Vegas. everything has to be a show when you come to yeah. Las Vegas.
5: Well, you, you you look at you look at uh, Gordon uh, Gordon Ramsay's restaurant. You walk in, you see he's talking to you <laughs> yeah. when he's around, talking to the customer. He's he's very entertaining. Mm-hmm. You know? And when Emerald come, bam, right? So I I think um a uh, a itself is entertainment.
0: So after um, consulting on Empress Court, which was the highest of the high rollers in Las yeah, Vegas, yeah, yeah. I'm guessing that you're going for a more mainstream, more, mainstream, more accessible yeah, audience. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, who's your target market? And will this be an affordable restaurant by yeah. Vegas
5: standards at least? Definitely, definitely. The reason is because I want more people to truly appreciate Chinese and Asian cuisine. A lot of people still, they only know, I don't want them to know chop sui, uh, chop sui, chow mein. And, uh, and spring roll. I want them to know like dumpling. dumpling. there are 108 different kind of dumpling. You can make 108 different kind of dumpling and you can have different filling. Sweet, savory, um, uh, lamb, beef, pork, vegetarian. So a lot of people don't realize that. It's just one ton. You can have truffle flavor one ton. You have caviar one ton. you can have all kind of one-ton we want people to have a sense of feeling you know chinese and asian food is more than the chop sui chow mein uh, uh, menu
0: yeah well i think you have throughout your career taught people that and made them expand their their views of what asian food is um do you have a signature dish is there going to be one dish that is the one dish everybody needs to come and get
5: i love to use fish I love fish. I eat a lot of fish. And uh, you, can, you, can, uh, you can have an entire restaurant menu on fish. Mm-hmm. You can steam your fish with different flavor. Five, ten dishes. You can deep fry your fish. You can smoke your fish. You can poach your fish. You can bake your fish. Mm-hmm. Right? So what we try to do is give people a sense. So we're gonna, we, I decided I work with the chef. I want to have Seasonal menu, spring with the best ingredient, particular produce, and we will also probably incorporate some of the fruit in our dish because rather than use sugar, we use fruit right that's why you go to a lot of good Chinese restaurants they have mango beef, mm-hmm. strawberry ribs incorporate the u s is abundance with all these wonderful produce. why waste it right? And also it's healthy. People, and also we have some vegetarian dishes. Now, because a lot of people are plant-based and they use uh, vegetarian diet and vegan. So we also have some dishes. We have big mushroom. We have sautéed, uh, trilled mushroom. A lot of people don't realize that mushroom is more than just uh, the button mushroom or, or uh, 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 um, a big mushroom, small mushroom. There are 200 different types of mushrooms. Yeah, so, so we, want to, we want to have a display of some of these basic ingredients, like for instance when we do a, a Thai curry, or, uh, or Malaysian curry, the curry itself is about 12 to 40 different fresh herbs and spices to make one curry wow. you have lemongrass you have pandan leaf you have galangal you have fresh chili you have cilantro you have all kind of stuff to put together so fresh so we want to educate people by having some display of the basic seasoning the basic fresh herbs and spices because i grow all of them in my backyard in, in in the bay area really i have a i have a i have six different mint i have lemon mint i have all kind of mint a lot of people don't, don't realize that they 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 only think they have one or two mint they're all kind of mint yeah. they're all different flavor so um and uh, and also um Um, Galango, also uh, careful lime you go to Thai restaurant you go to uh, 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 Thai restaurant without galango, without um, uh, um, uh, the careful lime leaf and careful lime you cannot have true authentic uh, Thai flavor if you don't have a good soy sauce a good fish sauce you cannot have a good Thai and Cambodian and Vietnamese restaurant, and A lot of people don't realize soy sauce are not created equal, <coughs> no. soy sauce not created equal. You go to a really fine dining restaurant, Japanese restaurant, they have five different kinds, ten different kinds of soy sauce. Some soy sauce is not dark, it's called white soy sauce, white translucent color. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that we want to introduce, just like you go to a Japanese restaurant, Sake tasting. A lot of people don't realize there are all kinds of sake.
0: Some people only drink the hot stuff. Right,
5: and <laughs> then and then you have got to chill. You got you got the best thing to, to to enjoy is actually chill. Yeah,
0: yeah, I agree. Um, so one thing I want to touch on, you mentioned the seafood and having a lot of seafood. So you actually have a lot of live seafood tanks. I know that could be a challenge for some Asian chefs in Las Vegas.
5: Well, because it's hard to get the live stuff. What I would, I, I would say, talking to my chef team, we will probably have um, an ongoing have two or three different types of seafood. For instance, it's easy to uh, maintain lobster and crab and gooey duck and clam than uh, live fish. Mm-hmm. Live fish, when they ship in a truck, by the time they get here, they are not really life, very <laughs> not much alive. They well. don't. They don't feel very well. <laughs> and then I don't want to look at the fish tank with these fishes that are kind of, <laughs> well, sleepy. And uh, though, so we probably um, um, because I'm, I, as I said, I want to limit my menu, and we'll just do a really good job on this limited menu, four season menu. So this way we want to have cope with the season. Cool. We want to cope with the freshest. So tell me again, when is the restaurant opening? We aim at the, towards the, the, the end of the summer and uh, early fall, maybe uh, August or, or September, hopefully.
0: Cool. Well, I look forward to dining there. Thanks so much for your time, Chef.
5: Well, hopefully you uh, can uh, join us and uh, be my guest to learn how to bone a chicken and cut up some vegetables. I'll give you a knife. Uh, to cut up some vegetable,
0: that can be scary when you <laughs> let me cook. Rick Moonen made that mistake over at Allegiant Stadium a few weeks ago. You don't want me. All, all no, I got worry, to do, all I, I got to yeah. do, is pick cilantro. That's the only I thing have, I was qualified I have a finger for. Finger
5: guard, where's the finger no, guard? <laughs> no, no, I have a finger guard, cool. so you can use to 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 protect your finger. Cool. Well, thank we you, chef. To, we just want to have fun doing it, and I believe when the team, when our team having fun, running the place, everybody gonna have fun.
0: Fancy ass steaks coming to Henderson and some ice cream news from Rich. This is Food and Loathing. time for the news. And David Morris broke a bit of Henderson dining news this week in Travel and Leisure, which right there is just a really cool thing that Travel and Leisure is interested (laughs) in a Henderson restaurant story. So (laughs) bravo, David. The headline, by the way, was, quote, one of the biggest Las Vegas restaurants of 2022 is opening 12 miles off the Strip. Hyperbole? I don't know, you tell me, but here's the scoop. Okay, so I'm here with Rob Moore and David Oseas, the executive chef and general manager of what is going to be the hottest new restaurant in Henderson, we're told, according to the, the article I just read. Um, Rosa Ristorante. Um, we're going to start off, first of all, hi, welcome to Food and Loathing, gentlemen. Hi, Al, thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Rob, it was the chef at many places, but most of you will know him from Prime Steakhouse and Jean George Steakhouse here in Las Vegas. David, I know from his days with Hubert Keller at Floor and also with um, Jose Andres at Haleo. I'm trying to think where else I may have known you from, David. Tom Cliqueo's Heritage Steak, uh, and I opened a Chico Restaurant. So some um, serious strip veterans, and that is why I guess this is really newsworthy to a lot of people, is that you are moving into the spot was that was previously home to Bloom, which was a whole scene. We were just talking about that with Rick and, um, <laughs> and Rich a moment ago. But uh, Bloom seemed to kind of be a... It wanted to be sort of be a bottle service kind of celebrity hot spot in Henderson where I guess like rich athletes hung out and who didn't want to go to the strip which seemed to hit a nice mark for them during the pandemic when people didn't want to go out to the strip but are you guys trying to maintain that same kind of vibe what are you doing here with um, Rosa Ristorante?
6: Well no definitely not uh, it was kind of funny when we first walked in the door you could see the stripper boots still sitting on the old bar that we just broke down and you know, the guys that were there before, they, they had a lot of fun, and we understand that. But uh, we, we definitely have nothing to do with that past. We're just looking forward to the future. When are you guys looking to open? Mid-April. We're still waiting on some items, you know, trying to get some finalization on tables and chairs and equipment and all of the supply chain issues that are happening throughout the country. They're affecting us, too. So as soon as we get as much as we can in and we feel comfortable, we'll start opening.
0: Okay, now let's talk about what kind of restaurant this is. Because at first glance, and maybe just because I knew you, I assumed this was just going to be a straight up steakhouse. And you know, I started thinking about Harlow and what they were doing in the burbs. But then I took a look at the sample menu or the prototype of the menu. Seems to be more of kind of an Italian steakhouse model, right? You guys, you have a serious
6: chop selection, but mostly it's Italian cuisine. Am I getting that right? it's Italian American cuisine for the last bunch of years that I've worked you know I've worked for Jean George for over 15 years and that's almost half of my career so for a long time I've been cooking food that other people wanted me to cook and I did really well with it but this time I want to cook the food that I want to eat the stuff that I'm comfortable with the stuff from my childhood stuff from living in New Jersey and Brooklyn you know bringing it out here to the West Coast okay and yet steak's still
0: a serious part of the menu right
6: well, yeah, I have to put steaks on there. That's what everybody knows me for. There has to be that trust value, right? We've got to we've got to start somewhere to, at a basic level of, you know, this guy can cook steaks. We've never seen him do Italian food. Can he do it? Well, come and check it out. We'll show you that we can.
0: Okay, so let's get on then. Now that we know what it is you're doing... Why Henderson? Why that neighborhood, which I guess I would kind of call Seven Hills. I used to live over there, um, not too far from Actually, two places in that general area. So I would call it Seven Hills. I don't know if that's what you call it, but you're pretty much Eastern St. Rose Parkway. So why that neighborhood?
6: Well, I actually went to dinner with a bunch of my friends, some of my high-end clients, and one of the guys who's my partner, uh, or the partners of the restaurant, he... um, He casually let me know that he had a restaurant in Henderson that just recently closed. And I started out by saying, you know, I'm not working right now. I just took some time off from Prime. Uh, I'm not really looking for work, but if you need help, I'd love to help you. So I took a meeting with the partners uh, and it started out with, you know, what type of restaurant do I think they should put in there? We started at Italian and it grew to this. And it kind of got out of control really quickly. And here we are, uh, you know, four months later, sitting here talking to you about a restaurant that we barely, barely knew what we were going to be a part of, so...
0: Well, oh, it's kind of cool that it happened that fast. I mean, that proves that there's definitely some energy behind it. And, um, you know, I I would be more excited about a restaurant that happens that quickly than something that happened through 12 levels of planning and, you know, corporate, via, you know, whatever, um, market research and things like that. I'm sure investors prefer the market research. But, you know, as, as somebody who likes a good artistic, uh, art, chef-driven venue, I like the idea that it grew out of your passion. So... um what do you think the state is of off-strip dining right now? Are is has Henderson in particular, but the entire off-strip segment of the valley, has it gotten smarter, more sophisticated, more willing
6: to um, to have upscale cuisine? There's such a structure of people that work in these big mega resorts and these casinos that work at really good restaurants. And when they go and they're, they're sitting at a Bellagio, or an Aria, or a Caesars, they're going in and they're paying strip prices. Um, there are a lot of people around that are starting to take the chance to come off the strip. It wasn't never my intention, but I'm very happy that this opportunity presented itself. You know, they say when you're, when you're in the middle of it, you don't know what's out there until you leave, and then all these things present themselves. And you know, it's true, it did, and it happened. Um, But off the strip dining is, uh, I mean, look at what we're doing here. We've got an amazing opportunity to space that did something in the past that we're going to take and do something with the future. There's really not a, a lot that's around there. There's a couple other restaurants that are moving in to the area, not necessarily where we're at. But we're just sitting in the middle of an island with a lot of residential area around us just starving for a place to go. And we hope they choose us to do that.
0: David, let's talk about the front of the house aspect of running a restaurant that is in Henderson, right? How drastically different is that than running something on the strip where I'm assuming you keep a Rolodex of your regular clients and they only come to town, you know, once a year and you know that they're going to be in here for March Madness or Super Bowl or whatever it is and you keep track of them. And then, of course, you have your local clientele as well, right? So how does that translate over into the burbs? So I think you just said it, uh, you know, you, it's the same
7: exact way as you would as, as on the strip. You know, it's building one guest at a time and one uh, moment at a time. You know, I think for us, Rob said it a moment ago, but it, it really is about trust. You know, I think we are trusting each other to take a leap into this opportunity and we are are hoping that our guests come and trust us in in what we're doing that they give us an opportunity to show them that we're going to serve them great food we're going to serve them great beverage and it's going to have fantastic service around it and that's i think what we're most excited about is to offer something unique you you asked the question about what's going on in las vegas dining there are so many excellent restaurants out there right now off of the strip that i think that that we want to be a part of that and we want to bring that to henderson where it is lacking a little bit not to say there's not some good dining out there and there's some that are coming right now that that will be our neighbors, I think, soon in the future. But uh, we see an opportunity for something uh, just as unique as what's happening in Summerlin or or downtown or, you know, on Spring Mountain Road or whatever, uh, wherever it is in in Las Vegas. And so um, to answer your question, one at a time. Um, we're going to keep that same Rolodex that you would of all those VIPs from all over the country. Um, we hope to build, uh, you know, not only that list from our, our guests in Anthem and Seven Hills and Henderson, but also, you know, all over Las Vegas. And if someone wants to come from uh, New York City to come visit us, we would welcome them as well.
0: But there's a lot of money up in those hills. <laughs> my, wife, my wife's worked for companies that build houses up in those hills. There's a lot of money up in those hills. Let's talk about the cuisine. You said, Chef, that it was going to be Italian-American. You referenced, you name-checked, NJ. You know, I'm a New Jersey boy. So are we talking red sauce-style
6: Italian? Yes. I mean, that's the basic way to say it. And, you know, Katie was talking to me a little bit uh, earlier about changing some menu items. One saying Sunday sauce. It's not something we ever called it. called it gravy. You know, Grandma just put a bunch of meat in the pot. And, you know, as I said earlier, uh, you know. The Italian sausage, the hot, the hot sausage was cut smaller than the sweet sausage, so you knew which one that you were finding in there and the meatballs and the brajol and you know the sauce that was going on the stove with the tinfoil packet underneath it. To, I didn't know back then it was to diffuse the heat, but Grandma did, so it just sat on the top of the stove there, and you go and you dip the bread in there and you steal some mozzarella cheese. like All of these things that I grew up with, through childhood, all of, the, all of the good memories. Not saying that Grandma was the one that inspired to me cook inspired me to get into cooking, but I mean, it was kind of an inspiration, just watching her and loving what she did and the antipasto salad that she would put out for the family and, you know, the way she served it all flat and everybody got an equal amount of merchandise on top of the salad and serving it with that, that, you know, that spatula tong where you really get under there and you get a a bunch of everything and you put it on your plate and, you know, just family around a table, family style stuff. You know, back to the basics. That's what we want to do. That's where we want to be. Um, not saying that we're going to bring all of, leave all of our you know experiences behind. That's going to be a part of it. But we're really bringing it back to the basics. Just really good dining, really good service, and really good drinks.
0: First of all, I think anybody with a Val in their last name um, really just flashed back to some family dinners. With all, I mean, like every little detail you just mentioned there was just as Mancini, I can tell you that that reminded me of so many family meals. Um, The reason I I am intrigued by this is I feel that red sauce style Italian, East Coast Italian-American cuisine was certainly the, there was the food of the Sinatra era in Las Vegas, and it's always been the food of old Vegas. Um, and in the neighborhood that you're going into, there are a lot of family-run businesses that have been there for 20 years that, that do that style of cuisine, and they're very, very good at it. But in the respectable sphere, in the world of you know bragging about where you went to dinner, those kind of people, the people that you cook for and that you've been cooking for for decades— that type of cuisine was always sort of out of favor it was kind of looked down upon i think it's sort of having a comeback moment um you know you never want to credit one person one person doesn't do anything but certainly also posto has demonstrated that you can do it with care and with attention to detail so has there been a shift in the market that makes you feel more comfortable with doing that or are you just like i don't give a shit i'm just doing what i like to eat man
6: Like I said earlier, you know, I've been cooking food that other people wanted me to cook for so long. I just want to do what makes me happy, you know, leaving and and going off on my own and just taking some time off and clearing my mind. You know, there's there's a lot of things that you want to do and you're not really sure where you want to start. So you start from cooking at home. You know, I have an amazing garden in my backyard. I grew all of my own, uh, my own vegetables, some lettuces. I have fruit trees in my yard, figs in the front, lemons and limes in the back. I grow potatoes. So I just go back there and I grab what's there and we just start cooking. And, you know, through the entire pandemic, I barely had to buy any fresh vegetables. I grew them all. So during that time, it kind of gave me a little bit more time to really focus on the things that I want to cook at home. And the stuff that I cook at home is the stuff I want to eat. And the stuff I want to eat, I want other people to eat. And that's that's really what, what I want to do. I want it to be like, you know, you're coming to my house, we're cooking at a table. And, you know, you sit down, we break bread, we drink wine, and we just eat the food that's in the middle. And, you know, that's where we want to start. And where we go from there, we'll see.
0: Okay, you just mentioned wine. Now, I'm not a big wine drinker myself. But um, obviously a lot of people, that's a very important part of dinner. So uh, are you going to have a a strip level or an elevated dining level wine program in this restaurant
7: the, the answer to that is yes absolutely um you know it's not going to be a massive 300 bottle program we're not looking to uh, win grand awards or anything like that but we would like to have a selection of wines available for our casual diners and then an elevated wine list or reserve wine list if you will um mostly going to be uh, you know california and italian wines small selection of targeted specific uh you know french and and spanish wines as well um that that elevate the experience but really when you think of uh you know that reserve list it should be wines that uh are very uh uh they're they're excellent examples of the region right and and something that uh you know we hope that our our
0: vip guests are going to enjoy okay um when, especially when I'm talking about suburban restaurants or restra- yeah, basically suburban restaurants, price is always the first thing. Price and portion size, right? And, and in Italian food, people always want leftovers. That I don't understand. They always want the price kept low, but they always want to have leftovers the next day. That's not the way that I approach dining, but I always have too much food in my fridge anyway, and I eat out a lot. So I am not putting that down. I just know that's going to be the question, right? So what's the price point in this restaurant? And are you guys going to do the monster portion sizes that I have leftovers for a week? Or are you going to try to keep it more, you know, reasonable and what you could finish in a meal?
6: Well, I'm actually glad you asked that. Um, there, there's going to be a, the portions are going to be healthy. They're not going to be monster. You know, you're not going to be able to sit down and, and share everything, you know, order one salad for a table of four. Everything's going to be Good portion size. There's going to be enough there that you're not going to feel full when you leave, but you're also not going to stock your your refrigerator up for the weekend. And the pricing, there it's neighborhood pricing. You know, you, you look around, you see what everybody else is charging. We're going to be right there. You talked about the wine list before. It's a perfect example. You know, we're going to have the front side is going to be our menu. Um, you know the the steaks on the on the menu, they're going to be a smaller portion, so this way they're more affordable. It's not going to be the 18-ounce the bone-in ribeye for $100. It's going to be, you know, we're looking at doing like a, a rib medallion that um, is a little bit smaller size, but it's a, a portion that you can eat in one sitting, and if you have some leftovers, even better. You'll have something for the next day. The wine list, you know, the backside is going to be our regular wine list, and everything on there is going to be under $120. There's nothing that I want on the menu that's going to be scary. We're not working at Bellagio. We're, you know, we're in Henderson on St. Rose, and we're, we're pandering to the locals. We're not to the, you know, the, the high-end casino guests that has unlimited comps to come in and, and blow their wad on uh, Kobe beef. I mean, yes, we'll have some of that available for select guests or anybody that wants to try it, but it's not our focus. It's there it's there to be a part of, not to be the main focus.
0: Okay, so let's just round up again. Give me the name, give me the address, give me the location, and we're gonna let you go and and the opening date, and where people can follow you and keep on track. So
6: we're currently at Rosa Restaurante, 3145 St. Rose Parkway in Henderson on uh, St. Rose and Spencer Seven Hills, crossroad is eastern we're also we just launched our instagram page at rosa restaurante lv our website is rosa the url the url was there it was ready to go it was meant to be no lvs no one two threes it's right there and uh we look forward to seeing you
0: what do you think, though? I mean, between having Harlow open up in um, the down- downtown Summerlin yeah. and now we've got another great strip veteran who-, who has been at the top steakhouses going into Henderson. I mean, are we really getting to the point? Rick, Rick, I remember a time, Rick, the very first time I met you, that I asked you a question about like whether you would ever open in the Burbs. And this was about 15 years ago. And right. you kind of looked at me as if I was insane. And 15 years ago, I was insane for asking yeah. if a chef of your stature would go into the Burbs. But what is something like this? say about about how the burbs are coming up man the burbs have been exploding they really have since that interview apparently because yeah. <laughs> no I'm,
2: yeah I'm, there was a time in my life where i thought it was crazy because you know the, the strip is uh, the comfort zone that's what it you uh, know and, and through my own experiences in history I've, I've completely look at the opposite i love the authenticity the soul, you were talking about jamone, jamone, you know, that's, it, it, that. In a, in, a, in, a, in a casino, it wouldn't be the same thing, I don't think, you know, it's just something about the neighborhoods, the go-tos, you know, you have something mm-hmm. places you have to go into neighborhoods that you didn't expect to go into, but, it was, it, but it's well worth it, you know, so I think uh, another steakhouse, yeah, I think we, we, we reach a point of saturation, but if we're reinventing the experience and
0: it's new, people love it. I'm excited for it and sticking with the news rich what else do you have this week
1: a heartland favorite is uh, coming to the valley blue bell ice cream the pride of Brenham Texas will uh, soon cut the ribbon on a 14,000 square foot distribution facility in Henderson this happens at the end of the month they won't be making any ice cream there but they'll service any store that wants blue bell I got a tour of the uh, blue bell headquarters in Brenham back in 2008 when I was uh, covering the John McCain campaign the last couple of weeks of, of that in November and late uh, October. Brenham's a town of about 16,000, about halfway between Austin and Houston. And pretty much the whole town is about Bluebell ice cream. You know <laughs> you know where you go to work when you, uh, you turn 18 and <laughs> where your parents work and where your grandparents probably work. Bluebell is the fourth best-selling ice cream in the U.S., And available in only 16 states, so its uh, popularity is uh, outsized by its availability.
0: Al, are you familiar with Blue Bell? Yeah, you know what? I'm trying to—I almost got it confused with Blue Bunny, which that ice cream sucks. As far yeah, as Blue I'm Bell's concerned. a little better, yeah. but it's a— you know, it's, it's a, a... strip feeling, the Blue Bunny.
2: But <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: A stripper <laughs> name. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, a little bit of news that I want to add. Um, look, we've talked a lot about my app, Neon Feast. I'm super excited about it, but, um, you know, things are always slow to get a little started, activating some of the premium features. First, First of all, the response has been great in the first two weeks. Thank you, everybody who's used the app man, I really appreciate it. Um, but we finally, I finally went in and I made sure that all of MGM Resorts International's 20 restaurants that they've decided to activate the advanced features on, they all now have the reservation button working. Oh, cool. And I'm talking yeah. about a lot of great restaurants like Aria alone, Bardot, Carbone, oh. Catch, Din Tai Fung, John George, Julian Serrano, and then, you know, another seven or eight in Bellagio and three in Park MGM. So if if I'm telling you, know, if you hear me talk about Bavettes or Nomad Library, and that gets you hungry guys do me a favor go on the neon feast app book your reservation that way because they are tracking it there's they're huge supporters of us and i appreciate their support but you cool. know they need to show their money's worth so shameless plug for you to use my yeah. app to book a reservation so and easy even i could figure it out oh my god yep i'm at this it. point where i have plugged other people's shit for so many years of my life <laughs> that i'm gonna plug my own you should matters. go Yes. Yeah, so please get the neon feast app and make sure you book your reservation through the app especially at those mgm properties i'm going to be telling you in weeks to come about the off strip properties that have activated that as well. We're going to give love to everybody out there and yes it's my podcast. I'm going to plug my own fucking projects. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and edibles time now because it's my podcast and I'm going to eat some edibles. Um, Rick, we had talked about this one and I I got you a fresh box because I want to have a little fun with this. Mm -hmm. Incredibles do these chocolate things. You and I did that mint chocolate packaging by Incredibles. It was pretty decent. Mm -hmm. Um, I bought three or four different um, types of Incredibles. This is the one I told you about last time it's the black cherry. Mm -hmm. I want to try it with you, but first, I want to see you try to open this box. Sure. Because Incredibles has the shittiest packaging. Of any um, any packaging, basically, in the edibles world, and that is saying a lot, because most edibles are packaged like shit. Now, Rick is now looking at this box, trying to figure out how to open it. It's just it's open this end box. Oh, well, wait, at least you read which end to open, because if you don't open the right end, it's even harder. I, I just but, flipped my nails on. Yeah, so getting your nails under is a oh, bitch and a half. Yeah, right, this is, it's a challenge, that's for sure. And then once you even get it open, you're not going to yeah, be able God. to get the fucking candy out. Right, now, I mean, like, well, let's see. perhaps it, it, like, it, it assumes that all its consumers out. own switch blades that they carry on that person.
2: Well, okay, here we yeah, go. okay so now. we got the end so, open.
0: Now he's got the box open. Now he's trying to slide the plastic out. Ah, he can't do it. The plastic won't slide out. Now, look, I'm going oh, to show you. You have to use those two it. things on the side to get the plastic to slide they out. Just making sure you're not stunned when you open Now you've got to pull back that fucking plastic and then pull back this other piece of plastic. Another piece. See, you got the first one. Oh, yeah, no, that that's the film. You got the plastic, and mm-hmm. now the film. I mean, seriously, this is. Like, am I wrong, or is this, this like was designed a by senior Citizen try to get through childproof caps. My <laughs>
2: God, this is
0: insane. This it's was like this... a drawer. This was designed by you can't lawyers. Can't get in there without a knife. Yeah, you can't get in there, right, Rick? No, just gave up on getting stoned, and that <laughs> is saying a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, now I've opened them, right. because I've done these before. These are tens. It says it clearly on there. let me know what you think of these. I've had the many times. I really like them. I was told that it's supposed to remind you of Ben and Jerry's um, Cherry Garcia, and I think that's a straight on comparison with a little bit of weed, but I used to smoke a lot of weed when I ate Cherry Garcia when I first discovered it. (laughs) It's probably one of the ingredients. Yeah. (laughs) So what do you think, Rick?
2: I agree with you. It's got a great mouthfeel, and um, it's got all that fun balance, and you always get that little it's what it is a bitterness of some
0: sort it's just a, a real mild i must feel like it's an earthiness right i mean it really does oh. feel like shrubbiness and plantiness to me that more than it
2: goes through a a, a metamorphosis in your mouth as as, as uh, the chocolate melts away, mm-hmm. then you end up with that. What like you just said, that earthiness, yeah. like in the forest, but with yeah. berries and twigs and nuts and everything in yeah. there.
0: Like, so it's delicious. So if you and Ronnie want to keep that pack, you can keep it because I already know I like these. I don't know. See, that's is it worthy of you keeping in 100%. your One hundred percent. Will uh-huh, you eat it? Yeah. Okay. So, Incredibles. Oh, and by the way, these, because most of their chocolates, they have a lot of good chocolate flavors. I got their Peanut Butter this Buddha, which I've spoken about in the past. That's with me right now. Um, but the one thing I will tell you that makes the Black Cherries different, it's all the other flavors I've had of Incredibles chocolates are THC only. This is THC and CBD. Oh, that's brilliant. They're 10 milligrams. They're easy to microdose if you want to. Down to five would be really easy. Getting sure. below that, you know, then it gets a little it's tricky. A nibble. But yeah, it's a nibble. But you could can nibble at these if you want. And then you've got that entourage effect of getting the THC see in the um cbd working off of each other so um other than the shit packaging and in a field <laughs> like, it's like worth it edibles though. where all packaging sucks this may be the worst packaging i've ever seen oh man that took a lot of work to figure yeah, out how to, to figure so how to make it so difficult slide it back in You, i mean it's just and the oh, weird wow. thing is it's not even resealable like <laughs> this this was designed by lawyers Yeah, Yeah, what do Do you think so? Uh, To keep away from children? Yeah, I guess so, man. Um, Okay, I think that's it for this episode of Food and Loathing. I want to thank all of our guests. Um, Well, she wasn't a guest, but thank you Pia Zadora and Freddie (laughs) Glussman and Sam Marvin for really setting the tone of what it means to dine at Piero's. And seriously, happy birthday, Piero's. Vegas Landmark. 40 years, that's huge. Yeah, Vegas Institution. Um, Thank you. Also, thanks to Chef Rob Moore for telling us about his New project. Um, and wow, Martin Yan. How could I forget to thank yeah, Martin huh? Yan? man and, himself. And, and I cannot wait to eat at his restaurant, man. And thank you so much for his time. Just please tell a friend about Food in Loathing and spread the word on
1: social media. And especially find all the handles at Al's website, the mohawk.com And as he said, reach us directly. Info at foodandloathing.com, and as he said, if you haven't done it yet, download the Neon Feast app. You Use it. Find your next great dining destination. The, not a, the
0: Neon Feast. And I think you said foodandloathing.com, but I think we're foodandloathing.com. Oh, Go,
1: foodandloathing.com. Yeah, pick to Check that. Pick up. <laughs>
0: You want to do the pickup or you want to? No, I'll just screw it up. Okay. It's a food okay. And Vegas. Okay. <laughs> With producer Rich Johnson and Rick Moonen, I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry.